Um, I mean, none of that could have been possible without your guys' support, um, whether that was, you know, financially, with prayers, whatever it looked like. So I just want to thank you guys. And um, that video, I mean, there was so much there, you know, and we, we did so much. We did a lot. And I was, the question of the week was like, how in the world am I going to be able to share with you guys everything we did? You know, that we just did all, and I would be here for like three days, and Kirk would get mad at me, and it, 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 it would just be so much. Um, so the, the best way I came up with it is I'll just give you like what a normal week looked like and just something cool. Um, but I'll start with like an overview. So um, our mission like in Egypt, as some of you know, I've talked about it before, um, it's mainly a Muslim country. Um, so it's a closed, closed country, which means like we can't just go out in the streets and start um, proclaiming Jesus because that's illegal there. Um, so what a lot of our ministry looked like was friendship ministry. Um, so going to people's homes, going to park, meeting people, and then like making relationships and then adding Jesus into conversations the best we could. Um, so I'll start with our week. Um, we started our week uh, on Tuesdays. Monday was our off day. Um, so Tuesday, every week, we went to Syrian houses. And um, Syria is a war torn country. And so people who escape the country, they go to Egypt. Um, so, and they had like a neighborhood close to the pyramids. And so every Tuesday we went there and um, they are mostly Muslims. And so Syrian home visits were kind of hard for me personally because like I said, we can't just walk into their homes and start talking about Jesus or there would be problems. People could get in trouble and stuff. Um, so we had to like find ways to talk about Jesus like secretly in a sense. Um, luckily for us, it was Ramadan, so that helped a lot. Um, but this one, one house visit, we were there, and it was just a woman and her neighbor um, in the house, and it was going very slow. We were talking about what felt like nothing. We were just sitting there in silence. And, um, and then all of a sudden, I don't know how it started, we started talking about heaven, you know, and how heaven, what heaven looked like and things like that. And for them... Heaven is um, like different levels. So based on how good you are on earth is how, what level you get to go to. And, um, and we're like, whoa, that, that's not fair. You know, here's, here's what we believe. And then also in their heaven, um, they believe like all the sins that you can't do on earth, it's like plentiful in heaven. So like, for example, they think alcohol is like, you don't, you don't drink at all. But when you get to heaven, you drink as much as you want, right? And then, like, another example was men in Muslim religion, um, when they get to heaven, they can sleep with 800 million men, I mean, women, not men, not, not men, <laughs> women, women. They get all the, like, there's virgins for them in heaven. And then, um, but the women, they only get to sleep with their husband, that's it. And we're like, well, how does that make sense? You know, it, it's, it's not equal, and that's not what we believe in. And we just kept asking her questions, questions, questions. And she actually um, started looking into the Quran and, and things started popping up in her mind. It's like, whoa, why does my book say that? You know, why, why does it say this when yours says that? Like, why? And she just had questions about it. And, you know, that is good because if, when they start questioning, that means Jesus is allowed to go in and start moving. 
Um, so that was really cool to see that she started to question her beliefs, started to question her book, started questioning her heaven, because you know it's a whole bunch of lies from the enemy. So it, it, if you start thinking about it, start diving, it's not going to make sense. Um, so that was Tuesdays. And then Wednesdays was Sudanese Day. Um, and the Sudanese, once again, they are war-torn country. Sudan is a war-torn country as well. Um, but the Sudanese people, they're mostly Christian, which is good. Um, but in Egypt, they are treated so bad. Like, bottom of the barrel, they live in the slums. Um, you know, it's, like, it's not safe to walk in. Um, one, one house we went into, um, there was a girl, and legit, the day before we got there, she got kidnapped and escaped. Like, it, it's terrible. The, the people are just treated so bad. Um, so we started every Wednesday morning by going to a Sudanese school, and you, you wouldn't know these kids. Like, you couldn't tell that these kids were treated so bad. They, they, they had so much life, so much love, and as soon as we walked in, they would just, like, swarm you, start attacking you. It, it was just amazing, and they... We would go in there and we would teach them things, try to teach them verses, because um, they were Christian, Christian schools, and it was just so, just to see those kids smile from so, so much they've been through, it, it's just, it's crazy. Um, and then every Wednesday night, we would do Sudanese home visits, and that, those were just so, so powerful, because their stories are like, incredible, like, just it's just insane. Um, but one house visit we went to, um, it was a group of five siblings. And um, they ranged from like 20 to 23. And then there was like a four-year-old. Um, but we started talking about them, starting to get their notice story, and started asking them about their relationship with Jesus and stuff. And they said they knew God, but they didn't like, they went to church and things, but it was kind of just like, I, Jesus, you know, it wasn't anything real. Um, but then they started talking, and this one guy said, I've been praying to God, praying to God, praying to God, but I haven't heard anything yet. Like, he's not answering me. So we got to explain that to him, that it takes time, and it's all in God's timing and things. Um, and then two, two of the ki uh, siblings, they actually just got released from prison, like, a week ago, which was crazy. Um, so then we just started explaining, and then it kind of got off the hook. And then out of nowhere, one of my friends, his name was Samuel, just, it felt like, you know, just, it was crazy, because it just was way off topic and stuff. He's like, well, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And every, all of them went like that, just silent, you know, because we were talking, having a good conversation, and then they just completely went, like, dead. And they were like, well... Not exactly. We go to church with our mom, and um, that's about it. And then we're like, okay, um, would you want to? And then it was kind of hesitant, but they all said yes. And so we were like, okay, well, here's what it looks like, you know. Um, and we explained it more. We explained what life with Christ looks like um, and all that stuff. And then, and then they got more excited about it, and then we asked again, and then they all said yes again. So that was amazing. All five of them that night gave them life to Jesus. It was just like, what in the heck? Um, because before we even went to Egypt, we were told that we would see no fruit at all. Because, like I said, it's a closed country. Um, and the team that went before us, they didn't see any fruit. So to see five salvations on one night was like, man, God is moving here in Egypt. God is working in us. 
And it, it was just crazy, and it was amazing. Um, and then Thursday, Thursday was our park ministry. Um, we would go to this big old park, and like I said, we were there during Ramadan. And so what Ramadan is, that's like they fast for a month. That's how they um, feel most connected to God, by fasting. And um, so they fast during the day, and then at night they eat. And um, so we would go to park at night because they would all come together and eat at the park. And uh, we would just walk around and wait until people would invite us into their time to eat with them. And then um, one, one park ministry, we were walking, and it felt like we were walking for like five hours. You know, No one wanted us to come. It was just terrible. Um, and then this group of like maybe 14-year-old girls invited us over. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is going to be terrible. They're just going to be screaming at me. And it was awful. Um, and then we sat down and we played Uno. I was like, why the heck are we playing Uno? It's kind of cool that Uno is worldwide, but I do not want to play Uno right now. Oh, but they gave, us, they gave me the best bananas I ever eaten in my life. They were just so good. I was like, what the heck? Those bananas were amazing. I ate like eight of them. They were just so good. Um, but anyway, it just felt like, you know, I'm playing Uno, but I want to talk about Jesus. And I was so disappointed because, yeah, I wasn't there to play Uno. Um, but then I was like, okay, God, you know, you, you will work through this. You'll, you'll um, move through this and stuff. And, I mean, he did. I don't know how, but we, started, we stopped playing Uno. And it was like a big group. And then half the group over there was like the person was sharing the gospel. But then I was over here talking to this one girl um, by herself. And she was telling me that, like, I guess in Muslim um, culture, for the woman to speak up about how she's feeling is just a no-no. Like, you don't do that, you know. Um, you, you keep it inside because you are not seen as equal to men. So if you came up and said, oh, my, like this man is like hurting me, then no, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, so, and this, this girl was telling us that and she, we were like, okay, well, that's not good. Because um, we were talking about marriage and we were asking her because also in Muslim culture, um, it's okay for a man to have up to four wives, but a woman can only have one husband. And we, we were, I was asking her about that. I was like, well, how does that make you feel, you know? If you were married to someone, but they had three other wives, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And she was like, well, I don't like it. I was like, okay, then why don't you, like, do something about it then? Or, like, you know, talk about it. And she said, like, well, I can't because I'm, I'm, like, not allowed to. And we said, well, that, that cannot, like, that, that doesn't happen, you know? You should be able to give that up. And we told her, like, Jesus wants to take away that hurt from her and take away that pain inside of her that she was holding inside. And she just started like bawling. I was like, oh gosh, I can't do this. And then I started bawling. I was like, oh, this is crazy. And then, um, and then after it, we all calmed down. And then she, she went up to Darla, one of our uh, people that went with me, and she said, I'm going to pray to your Jesus tonight um, to take away this pain. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. That's so good. And then, actually, Darla got her number, and she was able to hang out with her after that, and the relationship grew. And it was just so amazing to hear a Muslim like, girl say, I'm going to pray to your Jesus tonight to take away my pain. And I was just like, what the heck? Like, it was crazy. Um, and then Friday, um, we did Street Kids. And um, Street Kids is a Muslim orphanage. 
Um, and this one was probably one of the hardest ministries for me because it was a Muslim orphanage and these kids, they were kids, they were wild, they were crazy. But, you know, and we had to go in there and tell them things, tell them stories, but it couldn't be about Jesus because if we did, we would get kicked out. So it was like, how am I supposed to show them love and give them the gospel and, you know, give them Jesus without talking about Jesus? And it was in the first week we got there, it was insane. People were punching each other. You know, the kids were like beating each other up. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Calm down. They would not calm down for anything. It was, it was terrible. Um, <laughs> one kid had like this pin and this kid would sit down. And he just kept putting the pin on his butt and he kept like sitting on the pin. I was like, dude, you got to stop that. You're going to like, it was, yeah, they were just, they were just mean to each other. Um, and that, and that was the first week. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to do this every week and just experience the brutality of kids I don't want that um, but then we kept going and we kept doing like stories kept talking to them about values and stuff about what good values are and um, we just kept loving on these kids showing them love because they didn't they've never seen love before that lady that like runs it she was terrifying like she would just scream at them she had like a strict oh she was scary but like so they didn't never seen love before you know and and then by the first week, they were just insane. And then by the end of it, it was just like they were completely new people. And I couldn't understand why, but then we were talking about it. And it was because we were willing to go to them and show them love where they've never seen it before. Um, and also a cool story of that. We went there and we were, um, so we, we did like skits and stuff. And usually we did skits in the Bible, but like, kind of took Jesus out of it, you know? So, like, we would do, like, the lost sheep or whatever it is, but then change it into, like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. But um, we did one story. I can't remember what it was. I think it was the lost sheep, actually. Um, so we talked about that, and then somebody would go up and give a message. And this kid went to our translator, and he said, and he, he was maybe like five years old. I don't, I don't know. But he went up to our translator and he said, um, this story really, like he started crying. He didn't say this because he's only five, but it was something like this. He was like, the story like really touched me and stuff because like my mom dropped me off yesterday or a week ago or something like that. And she said she would come visit me every day. Um, because the dad, she got remarried or something and the dad didn't want the kid or take care of the kid. So she dropped him off recently and she said she would visit me every single day and um, she hasn't came yet and it was just like and then we told her I, actually I don't think it was lost sheep I think it was the story of um, it was a new kid and people were being mean to him but then um, someone was nice it was like that and he was the new kid in the orphanage and he was like well everyone is mean to me because I'm new and stuff and he was like, well, it's good to know that people actually care and see me. And I was like, wow, that's very impactful because I did not like ministry because the kids were wild and crazy and beat each other up. So it was good to see that God was moving. Even when I wasn't giving my all in it, God still moved. It was amazing. Um, and then Saturdays, Saturdays were the wild card day. So every Saturday looked different. We would do the Helen Boy uh, Orphanage, um, which was a Christian orphanage. We went to a hospital sometimes. We went to the cave church sometimes. Um, 
which it was just cool. The cave church was really amazing. That's that top left picture. It was like some guy like had a whole bunch of dynamite and stuff, and he blew up this hole. And then there's like carvings all over the all over the rocks about Jesus and all the stories and stuff. It was, it was just a cool experience. Um, but anyway, uh, one Saturday um, we were going to go to the Helen Boys, and this was Easter because they're on a different calendar. Um, we were going to go to the Helen Boys, but they had to prepare for Easter, um, and then we were going to go to a handicap ministry, but they couldn't for some reason. I don't know why. So we ended up going to this hospital, and this was the first time we went to this hospital. And um, so what we were going to do was we were going to go into each room and just sing a song and, uh, you know, pray for them. And I was kind of like, I don't want to do this because <laughs> I'm not a good singer, you know, and these people, I don't want to just sing in front of them. And our translator wanted us to sing in Arabic as well. So we had to learn an Arabic song, and I, I didn't understand, so I was just, like, making noises with my mouth. It, it, it was just bad. Um, but anyway, we got there, and then it was so, so good. And then we get to this one, one room in particular, and um, he, he was just, we walk in, and he's just completely smiling, and we're like, whoa. And um, we get to talking with him, and stuff, and he tells us that he was a pastor in Alexandria, and um, he was praying to God um, that, like, he was starting to doubt God in a sense because he was alone on Easter because all of his family were in Alexandria; they didn't come see him on Easter. So he was like praying to God. He's like, God, why am I alone? Why have you left me here by myself in this crappy hospital on Easter? And then we walk in, and we started singing him, and he said, and then he started to say, thank you guys for coming in, and, um, you know, he didn't say this. I don't know really what it said, but it was like this. <laughs> but he said, thank you guys, because you have showed me that God hears my prayers, because we went there. And it, that was really cool how God moved, because we weren't planning to go there. We were planning to go somewhere else. But then God said, no, you go here, and you're going to... Um, help this pastor once again believe that I see and that I hear him here. So it was cool. Um, and then Sunday, we would go to a church, and we went to Egyptian church, Sudanese church, and it was crazy. Those, those churches were, like, insane. Like, that church in the bottom right had, like, two, two people in it. That's, that's all the... All the, the the other people in there are um, translators, so they had like two people attending, and then then when you go to an Egypt church, and there's like 500, so it's like the difference is just insane. Um, but there was one time we went to a church, and I don't remember who preached. I think it was Isaac, and um, it was in the video, and Isaac preached, and then he had a... Um, uh, like a time for everyone to come up and, um, you know, repent, surrender, give their life to Jesus. And then we, he had, like, all of us, like, surrounding the place and, like, be at to pray for people. And I was like, oh, gosh, these people don't even know me, and I don't know any languages or anything, or Arabic. And so there's no way they're going to come up to me and ask for prayer. And then 
I'm telling you, I had like a line of people coming up to me, and everyone did. There was like 10 people, and I would pray, and then they would just come, pray, come up, pray, come up. And I was like, what in the world? Like, they don't even know what I'm saying, and they're still coming to me praying. It was just crazy how God moved in, um, in that way, you know, that he was touching their hearts and say, go have them pray for you. And like, they, they didn't understand my words, but they still understood um, in the fact, because God was working and God was moving in them. So, I mean, that was just, just some stories. God, God, God did just so many amazing things in Egypt. Um, he, he really worked, and he really, he really showed up. Um, he blew all expectations out of, out of the water. Because like I said, we, we were going in there thinking we would see, like, we, we knew God would move, but it would be like, like people um, just accepting hearing or people asking questions about our faith. That's, that's all the fruit we saw. But we, God moved. We saw um, like six people give their lives to salvation. We saw like many, many like physical healings. And it was just, it was just crazy. Um, but I think one of the coolest parts about the trip, um, and this might sound a little selfish, but was that even though God moved in, in like ways like that in other people's lives, but he also like taught me things, and he worked in me, and he grew my faith, like, like I was talking to John today, and, and that was just like amazing that he did that, and, um, and that's what I want to talk about today. Um, one, of the, one of the things that he taught me in e- Egypt and through YWAM was um, how important our quiet times are and how important um, one-on-one time is with God. And um, like um, Daniel was saying, um, that intimacy with God is very important. And I think um, a lot of times that we forget that that's what God's all about. Is He's about that, that intimacy, that personal relationship with us. Um, there's this, this is country song. I hear it like 85 times a day at work. It's like it's so annoying. But um, it, it goes... Um, oh, I only, got, I only go to God when I need a favor. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty stupid. But then I was um, thinking about it. I was like, wow, you know, that is, that's true sometimes in our own lives. Like, when do we go to God? We go to God when I'm sick, when someone in my family's sick. I go to God when um, I need money or um, there's a problem in the house. What, whatever the favor is, that's when we find ourselves going to God. And... Um, I mean, that's not wrong. God wants to give us those favors. He wants to give us our blessings. But that shouldn't be the only time we go to God. Um, we should be going to God when our life is looking great and looking good. Um, so that's what I want to talk about. Okay. One second. Let me get my notes. Okay. So I got two reasons why it is important to go to God. And the first reason is, I kind of touched on it, is God is a relational God, and He is a Father who wants to relate with His children. You know? Um, all of us have those, like, personal relationships or tight, intimate relationship with someone. And the way we got there with that person is by spending alone time with them. You're not going to get, like, if I only go to that person, be like, okay, I need money. Okay, I'll see you in a week. Okay, I need uh, a car. See you in a week. You know, like you're not going to get close with them in that way. Um, yeah. 
uh, for, in First Chronicles sixteen eleven, it says, it "says Search for the Lord and for His strength. Continually seek Him." It says, "Continually seek Him." It doesn't say seek Him like <laughs> when you need when you need a favor for Him, because God God is that relational God who. <laughs> who wants to spend time with you in everything you do. Um, and we, we read in the, in the beginning of creation, um, before, before everything went bad, um, in Genesis chapter 3 somewhere, it says, it talks about how Jesus was walking in, in the cool evening breeze or something like poetic like that. Um, but he was walking and then they hid from him. But that, like, that was a normal thing that he walked in like, fellowship with Adam and Eve. Um, and that's what he wants. That's why he created us, was to be in a fellowship, in a relationship with God. Um, so we need to be willing to spend time with him and, like, yeah, just give, give God time. Um, the second reason that we need to spend time with him, spend one-on-one time with him, is um, we need to be filled by his truth and his, his, his life and his love. Because um, this world is so draining and it's so, like, it can be so overwhelming sometimes. And we, we need a source to go to. We need something to fill us. And um, a lot of times, I know me personally, I've said, oh, I get, I'm, I'm filled. You know, I go to church on Sunday. I would go to youth on Wednesday. I would do this. But that, that is getting filled only on Sunday and Wednesday. What about, what about the rest of the week, right? Because I'm not getting filled in. I'm just, I'm just waiting until those days I go to church. I'm waiting for those times I'm going. And then the rest of the week is just, I'm, I feel like crap, you know? Um, so we need, we, that's why we need personal time, personal alone time with God every single day. So that way we're getting filled every day. Because like two weeks ago, it was the week after FCA camp, and I had legit nothing to do. I was, I was like, finally a week off, you know. I was like, I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to just chill out the house, go to Bella's every once in a while. Um, but then I... Since I was doing that, I wasn't thinking about God. I was only thinking about myself, and I wasn't spending time with God. I wasn't spending my quiet times with Him. I wasn't waking up every morning, starting my day with God. Um, and, and that week, I was like, just so tired. I was so, so like, angry and frustrated, and I, I couldn't understand why at first. Um, but then I was talking about it, talking with a friend about it, and I, I came to the conclusion it's because I wasn't being filled with God. I was being filled with the wor- world instead, fi- letting my flesh take over. And that's why, uh, why everything felt so like, like the little things were irritating me. Eliza would like turn the volume up one volume and I'd get so mad and so angry. And I, I was what, why? I, I, it doesn't matter. Or she would just talk and I would just want to beat her up or something, <laughs> something like that. It was just like, what, what is going on? Like, that's not, that's not Jesus in me. And then it's because Jesus wasn't, wasn't filling me, wasn't filling me with his love and his truth. Um, in Matthew 
Matthew 14, 22, and 23. Um, this, is, this passage takes place um, right after Jesus is being followed by a whole bunch of people. Um, he's just got done feeding the 5,000. And um, this, is, this is what he does as soon as he gets done. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to, into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. As soon as Jesus got done, the first thing he did was he went to God to be refilled by, by, by God. And Jesus himself was God. And if, if he is going to God to be refilled, I mean, that means we really should be go, going to God to be refilled. And, um, and when I read that, I was like, that is just, that's crazy. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys. I mean, we all have busy lives, you know. I'm, not, I'm only 19, but I feel like I have something new to do every single day. And I don't have a, like a 9 to 5 job like most of you guys do. And I still feel overwhelmed with stuff. Um, but even though we, you know, feel busy all the time, there, there should always be time for Jesus. And there always is time for Jesus, too. We, I've, I've done this myself. We always make excuses like, oh, man, I'm just so busy. I, I just want to sleep or whatever it looks like. But you can, you can spend at least 15 minutes with Jesus, and then it, it, it will change your life, you know. And then once, once you get there, then you'll be like, okay, wow, I want more. You'll be like, okay, 30 minutes, and then I'll want more and more and more, and it'll just continue. So I encourage you guys this week to find time in your schedule. Find, find moments in your day where you can give it to God and um, let, allow yourself to spend time with God, whether that looks like digging into the wor- Word, um, whether that looks like praising and worshiping Him, blaring worship music, um, getting on your knees, praying, whatever that looks like. I just encourage you guys to, um, to find time for God because he always finds time for us. So just find time for him. And, uh, yep, that's all I got. Um, I'll close this out in prayer and then hand it over.